Well, hello, hello, everybody. This is the Glad Chad Podcast. I'm Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rudy Carlos. After what seems like a long hiatus, Rudy, we are back in the saddle where we belong, aren't we? Back in the saddle again. <laughs> what is it is so good to see you, man. Thank you. Thank you. And you is, got is... married and you disappeared a little bit, but I want that's to show okay. Our... Look at this. Look at wow. this. I know. This means that she didn't run away after all. Much to my great, much to everyone's great surprise, right? I know a few people from St. Vitus lost some bets, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was crazy. I'm so grateful to for you to be in my bridal party, and I'm so grateful um, to our listeners and to everybody who helped support and really pray for Genevieve and I, as we are now man and wife. We're now the Pachecos. I'm Mr. Pacheco, just like my father. Very strange, <laughs> by the way. Never thought I'd ever get to that point, but here we are. <laughs> it was an incredible wedding jordan oh yeah it was, it was a, a real honor to be there mm-hmm. to see you guys and uh, and witness it it was just it was beautiful the oh, whole thing without very, a hitch that's very kind thank you yeah we had a we had a very beautiful high mass um you know reception out in elizabeth but we're so grateful that um to father kluger out of lady mount carmel and to everyone uh, we have i mean our our fun fact our choir master naturally knows jeff um, which isn't a oh, surprise. Okay. I think that they all know each other, right? It's like this all interconnected line. So, <laughs> yeah, they probably do the uh, what is it called symposium or something? Oh yeah, they probably do. They probably like do like a secret symposium where they just talk smack about each other's music. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then we we did our honeymoon. We were a week away in Breckenridge. We were in this nice little cabin, and so that was really really nice. Um, and then we came back and now you'll notice a slightly different setup for me. I'm still trying to figure it out, but this is uh, our den in our apartment currently, which has essentially become my little man cave. Just a really fancy way of saying I put my computer and film gear in here. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we're just trying to figure it out. We've just been scrambling. What, what did, you um, did you just say man cave? I said man. Am I not, is man cave not exist? Is that a bad term? That's, that's cringe. Really? What, uh, what would you prefer? Well, this is a room in your home. You are the the head of the home now, John. Yes. Fill the role. Let's go. No, this is true. I am the head of my household. However, I will say this, that even inside the castle, the king is going to want a private sanctuary, right? True. So, true. <laughs> so that's, that's all the this king's is. king's retreat. You know, we got books. Yeah, this is like I close myself off. Jen can have the rest of the house for a second. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Rudy? It's so crazy that we saw each other in person not that long ago, but I hope everything's well. I know that you are almost a uh outside the womb father so congratulations thank you yeah yesterday we had a really special day it was the uh first year anniversary of our wedding wow and it was also father's day it just happened to hit on the same day and you're uh, happy i I don't think i wish you a happy father's day rudy and i apologize about this because you're a father i cried a little bit about it yeah yeah i i cried a little bit dude that's kind of cringe i did man it was (laughs) I just I, miss my Jordan back. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I just want him back. <laughs> How does it feel, honestly, like on the cusp of fatherhood like that? You know, going to see your baby in, in pretty much a month. Um, To be honest with you, up until yesterday, I had just a lot of joy and happiness. Uh-huh. And then I had just a little like weird sense of dread. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. I had a case of the Sundays because it was a really good weekend. And then I started thinking, what if this week is the week Mm. that Maria comes? That would be very unexpected. Mm -hmm. I think it was the sense of, uh, sorry for the siren, by the way. Um, 
I think it was a sort of sense of um, realization that we were so close to the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're we're now gonna go into thirty six weeks or wow. thirty five weeks, yeah, something along those lines. I keep forgetting. She's as big as a uh, spaghetti squash. Do you have to? <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's awesome. She's about five pounds. Well, last time I saw her, she was as big as a strawberry, right? So yeah, talk about yeah. talk about context. That's good. She's five pounds. That's healthy. You know how heavy Jen was when she was born. She'll kill me. She'll kill me. Well, she won't kill me. She, you know, she would never kill her husband. But uh, she, uh, anyway, she was ten baby pounds, weight, ten pounds some ounces. She was a oh, big wow. baby. Yeah, yeah. Her, yeah. It was, it was a thing. Her poor mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, we're kind of hoping she stays a little smaller because mm-hmm. you know it's our our first baby, so yeah. it'll be a little, maybe a little bit easier. I don't you know, know. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, like, I'll be honest with you because I feel like. I'm looking at you and taking notes because I very much feel like it, <laughs> it, God willing in God's time, but that we'll be in the same situation where you are a year from now, you know, and you probably will. Yeah. That would be such a blessing at this rate. Ah, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marriage is wonderful. Married life is great. But honestly, like one thing that they really talk about in pre Cana, you know, is you, marriage. Its primary purpose is procreation for children, you know. And there's something really kind of surreal when you when you look at your spouse and you realize that you're not just like physically attracted, which you are, but like that that attraction has a manifestation of its own. Like that love, that ultimate love between husband and wife takes on a life of its own and becomes a child. Like that the imprint of God's divine love, because God's love by its nature creates. It goes forth and, and thus his husband and wife. And I, I'm honestly like, I don't know when that'll happen for us, but like, I've been really asking like, oh, am I ready? Like, I'm going to be a father. And I remember like all the times I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, of course I'm, I'm happy to be a dad. Like, I can't wait to have kids and to, to, you know, to, to, to have a little clan of Pachecos going around, trotting up the world. <laughs> <laughs> Take up a pew at the church. Mm. I agree with you. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I have a sort of sense of duty. Yeah. Uh, when I think about that, because you're absolutely right. And it's a, a, an aspect of marriage that is um, sort of diminished in the popular, not in the popular world, but just outside of the church, it's diminished so that, you know, you don't think about starting a family. You have all of these ideas of uh, why you shouldn't have a family. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you get married in the church, you do have a sort of sense of duty because you realize that the the joining of, of both of you together is, is for that end. Yeah. You know, you're, you're propagating the world and, and it's such a wonderful thing to be a part of that. You know, God gives us the, the, the ability, the power to, to create like he does to, to bring life into the world. That's amazing. And what a responsibility. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, this world is so hostile to marriage and families a lot of times. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it might sound like, oh, that's just like a excuse that Christians use. But no, we're really like in terms of cost of yeah. living and outside in, outside influences, like all the incentives to break apart, keep apart good families. You know, like there are there are states and there are certainly countries where if you want to raise your child in a good Christian education and that means some hard nose on values, faith and morals. Um, there are people who actively desire for you to be not just like punished or fined, but to be legitimately stripped of your childhood. If you tell your son, Hey, uh, boys are boys and girls are girls. 
uh, or something like that. There are people out there, there are systems out there that are designed trying to, to get your goat. If you tell them that uh, outside the church there's no salvation and that this is what the Catholic Church is and that, that Jesus Christ's law is more important than man's law, there's so many active influences. Um, and so I honestly think, I've heard all my life, like people are like, oh, the most courageous thing you can do is be a parent. And it always sounds like a really cheap platitude. But really, honestly, <laughs> if you're trying to raise your children in a proper Christian education and background, that is that takes tremendous courage. Like it took courage already to like get married and and perform marriage in the marital embrace in, in the context of the faith already. And now to like cultivate children, that's that has to be one of the most difficult jobs. It's the reason why marriage is a vocation as opposed to just like a recreational thing we pick up. Yeah, I've I've been praying, you know, Ashley and I have been praying a lot in our uh, our night prayers that um we be molded to be the people that that God needs to raise this this child that he entrusted us with. Hmm. You know, cuz you 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 mentioned cultivation and I think that's the perfect word for it. To cultivate something, let's say for example, I mean when I cultivated peppers a lot of a lot of uh, research and effort goes into to making sure that this plant thrives and survives it's even it's even more research and more um perfecting of yourself that you have to do to raise this child to be (laughs) right a saint i mean that's i mean that's my my deepest wish for for our daughter and um and talking to people too like in the parish I think they have the same the same idea. They want to bring their kids to heaven. Yeah. And what I love about like that parish life and becoming parents, I think really helps you go into it because it's kind of different parishes and different programs. And just because the church has a different kind of approach to like singles, like their videos have been watching me. It's like, look, like singlehood isn't a vocation, you know, like it's important, <laughs> it's important to like, it's important to have like a place for young adults, unmarried young adults in your church. I completely agree with that. Um, you know but, that's a controversial take nowadays. Mm-hmm. Is that what, single, that, that single isn't a vocation. Yeah, well, it has to be because I agree with you. By the way, I don't think so. No, but it, I think the problem, of course, is that again, like we have this epidemic of loneliness, and even inside, even inside the Catholic world, I mean, I've talked, we talked about this before. I think that the church does a really good service when it it gives men and women virtuous ways to come together clean mm-hmm. dances, uh, young adult activities, that sort of thing, right? I, I think that the church is a great thing. And I, I do think that it's been a problem that that's been de-emphasized in lieu of instead this like whole like celebration of single in a way. Like it becomes this badge of courage. I'm just like, I'm just not about that, you know, because there's no oath that you take to be single. Now, if you want to, you can become a, you know, a religious, take a consecrated yeah. vow, or you can get married and you can take your solemn vow before God for, to your spouse. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no like, oh God, like I consecrate myself a single person until I'm not single. You could try. I'm sure there's something for it, but <laughs> it's yeah. And that's not to say that you can't. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's contradictory. I was gonna say maybe that 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 means that you're single, but you don't take a vow or something, or it's not. But then that's everybody has a vocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and real quick, like I'm, I don't mean to. I know that we don't mean to like, like legitimately bash like people who are single. Um, if you're single, you're a loser. Yeah, you're not on. You're not. You're not on the team. Like, no, it's not that at all. Like, obviously, like <laughs> we're you, like we talked about this again, but it's like you know, wives don't just fall from the sky. 
<laughs> you gotta you gotta go out there and, and 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 you know have a little work and sometimes it works out with people sometimes it doesn't so it's not like bashing people just for the virtue of being single because we've all been single obviously um it's right. just the idea of elevating what what it means for genuine vocation everyone is called to 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 just discern god's will for them to what their vocation what their calling in life is and for Many of us, it's it's married life. For some people, it's not married life. You know, for some people, it's a priesthood. For some people, it's it's nuns. And for some people, yeah, it is like, like you know, a life without a spouse in in some form that takes mm-hmm. consecrated religious. I don't know what it is, um, but you know, I really wanted to <laughs> tonight because on that subject, you know, it's just like I've been married now for, golly, I've been married for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I this is this first Sunday this yesterday that was the uh the, the Sunday before that Jen and I were just getting back from our honeymoon so that was week one so it's it's been such a surreal roller coaster being married these now 16 days and I really wanted to just really not shut up about how wonderful marriage is uh, <laughs> we had we had a video not too long ago where we talked about um marriage and MGTOW you know um oh and- hey did you see this feedback that we got on yo this? <laughs> i just want to tell you guys if you're leaving feedback and you leave a link in the comment it's never going to get posted it's yeah, not that we're deleting us, it like youtube doesn't let you do it so if you're going to put a link down there and you want your comment to be seen don't mm-hmm. put a link in there yeah but we basically got demolished by this one person yeah we got because- gangs so <laughs> because we didn't uh call out all of the uh the big the big boys of now MGTOW. now yeah to be fair i think that our this particular comment is very very long comment which is okay we get long comments we sure. like them um this person did a couple of things kind of funny they first commended us for talking about migtow um <laughs> but then said something very strange very strange because i thought and you can go back and you can watch the video i thought that we did a pretty fair assessment of MGTOW, which means men going their own way. This is a natural, resp- I would say a natural response to the worst of third wave feminism. This is a response to to women railing against the patriarchy and all those whims of feminism and women need men like a fish need a bicycle. And so there's a lot of young men in particular, uh, there are older men in MGTOW too, you know, divorcees, a lot of guys uh, who looked around and realized that like women are not acting as women which is very makes it very difficult for men to act like men. There's this rampant hookup culture. There's this there's this um, this whole cesspool of of horrible people out there, men and women. And mm-hmm. their response was to go that if a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, guys don't need girls, and in various kind of forms. And this ranges from uh, self improvement kind of MGTOW more white pilled kind of stuff to like hey just stay away from women women are good for three things cooking cleaning and haha so um <laughs> anyway so he left a comment and he was just like however if you would like talk to uh to this one guy like you know you would be destroyed in a debate and i was like we were like well we're not trying to debate anybody like we're not calling it we're not even <laughs> calling anybody out like we didn't like specifically include people because we're not trying to call anyone out on anything like we we're just giving a broad assessment and also pointing to how MGTOW tends to stay away from the sacramental roots of marriage, which I think is a good thing because they don't really actually stray into domain that would that would really anger a Catholic. I mean, they might say, well, marriage is just a funny little contract, but it's like a Protestant viewpoint. Like, I can't get mad at that. That's just the world they've inherited, a lot of these guys, right? 
you know, it's like we don't have like, you know, we don't have like an agenda past what the church's agenda is, which is that God made men and women complementary. He made them to be able to work together in a, a, a monogamous sacramental marriage and also made it so that if you stay in the confines of marriage, if you do it the traditional Catholic way, if you don't have any oh the Catholic way, right? If you don't have any of these inhibitors, if you go in for the purpose of the procreation of children, raising of children, also that you love each other, kind of important. Uh, if you uh, follow the marital act fruitfully and faithfully and readily, open to life in every instance, all these kind of kind of things. They actually do studies on this. It turns out that Catholic couples that do this have a non-existent chance of divorce, and also they're happy, which is really interesting for for people who look at this thing to realize that Catholic couples who coincidentally follow their faith and are these two people who love Jesus and have built a relationship around Christ are happy doing it. I think what you just described too is the discernment process. Mm -hmm. You know, how many people who are in a a terrible marriage, a terrible relationship got into it because they didn't know anything about the person that they got into the relationship with. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that, that really explains why there's all of these like really superficial sort of relationships yeah. that maybe these, these guys went through and then they decided, um, you know, they got blackpilled. Mm-hmm. Well, look at, look at the age old story now, right? Which is that guy meets girl and after a date, maybe it's the first date. I don't know. Right. They go over, she comes over to Netflix and chill. They hook up, they hook up for a few months on and off, polyamorous, maybe like just not telling each other, oh, kind of open. She gets pregnant. And in the old <laughs> days, that's when uh, dad would have cocked a shotgun and marched him down the aisle. Well, dad's probably not in the picture anymore. So so it just turns into this thing where when they look at the yeah. points that essentially divorce proof your marriage, one of those points is that you and your spouse don't get married under the age of 20 and that you do premarital counseling of some sort of some length. Now, mm-hmm. as a Catholic, this is pretty easy because the church that knows its business ought to be doing pre-cana. That's not always. I wonder. Been the case. I think. I think we should add a disclaimer, though. I think what the perspective we're talking about is the traditional, the traditional-minded church. Because I, I do remember having yeah. some hesitations about when we were still going to the Novosordo. You know, the sort of preparation that we were going to get at our home parish was just going to be. Like yeah, just water, much trough. non-existent. Yeah, that's okay. That's, so that's yeah, that's yeah. all. That's just to say, go to a, a a parish that specifically only does a traditional end mass. Yeah, hey, right. Shameless plug. Let's go. <laughs> but that's true. Plug. It's like go to go to a parish that it means it's business about marriage. When my parents got married, and my parents have been married for thirty some years, which is wonderful, but their pre-cana was just tapes in the mail they got sent. You know, yeah. and so I think that there was a lot of stuff that like they just had to go through and learn about each other, maybe even the hard mm-hmm. way that pre Cana would have helped, right? For Jed yeah. and I, like meanwhile, like when we came out here, because we had a couple pre Cana classes in California, but our real pre Cana happened out here. Mm-hmm. Our priest, the first thing that he did is he gave us a book on temperaments and he had us break down each other's temperaments. That has been so tremendously helpful. And I had never even heard about someone doing that before. But that has helped us communicate so much better because she looks at me and goes, okay, Jordan's sanguine, which means this, this, this. When he says this, this is actually, this is what he means. That's how he's going to operate. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We didn't didn't get that test. We we got a different test. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was like a 250 question test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Did you do that one? No, we never got that one. I'm so mad. (laughs) I think it's different. You know, it's like one of those things like the parish 
picks out certain resources Mm -hmm. other parishes do something different yeah but this one was similar you know we took the test and then we got our results back and um it was split the paper was split in half uh, with my answers and mm-hmm. then the percentages of like how I handle things and yeah. then Ashley on the other side. And it was a, it was a tool. It was meant to be a diagnostic tool to see where are the areas that we defer mm. in yeah, and to, to use this as a tool to start uh, discussing these sorts of areas that are important. It was any, any, anything from uh you know, how are you going to raise a child to how do you f- handle your finances mm-hmm. or like, are you afraid of money or do you use it a lot? Are you, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, Frugal? <laughs> a miser. Oh, yeah. are you going to uh-huh. be a miser with your yeah. money? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. It's funny. But, Jen but and yeah, I are having our, our budget meeting probably tomorrow instead of tonight. Okay. Uh, fact, so <laughs> For we nice. have, that's we have good. Sim- we have similar temperaments. I are well in that regard, but I definitely more of the math nerd. I'm definitely more like the sure. budget nerd. So, um, dude, it's so important. That's gr- that's great because mm-hmm. you know with with all of this information, you you know you're not going straight into the marriage where right. you're having to like handle these things in the marriage. You prepare for it beforehand. Well, you know what our problem is. The problem is this: we live in a culture that believes in a very superficial puppy dog kind of love. You know, yeah. when you watch the Hallmark movie, which which as now that I'm a married man, I got to tell you, like I Hallmark movies are so cheesy and corny, but I'm happy that there's a corner of the cesspool that's good, like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> like you want because the end of the day, like you want the guy and the girl to fall in love and you want them to ride into the sunset and live happily ever after. But real right. marriage and real relationship takes not just a little bit of work. It is literally all your work. Yeah, um, it, it's a full time job. Yeah, it's a full-time job. That's right. And I think that what's good about pre-cana, good pre-cana, is that I love that questionnaire that you guys did. You will learn how you guys differ because men and women are equal, but they're not the same. So yeah. you'll learn, like like I, I've always said about my relationship, it wasn't so much how Jen and I loved together, how we were tender and affectionate and like all the good times, but I just we need to figure out like how we're going to fight together. Like are we do we come to blows do like it turns out fun fact that jen and i are not very good at fighting with each other because we both really don't want like jen's jen's melancholic she's cleric melancholic but her melancholic side comes out so jen kind of wants to just like withdraw and i'm a sanguine which means i don't like anything uncomfortable for like longer than two minutes so it's kind of this like weird (laughs) (laughs) we'll just pulling away you're trying to talk yeah we'll just like we'll kind of just like stop both of us just like stop talking and like i'll be over in 10 minutes and she won't got him Um, well, now you guys have the den, so you know. Right, I can always, I can always retreat out here when I need to play some rockets instead. Uh, <laughs> it's no, but what's funny about marriage is this: it's like the church is not just about putting man and woman together and just like thinking something's gonna happen, but like good pre-cana is really making you discern not just who your wife is, but also like your best friend, because this is someone who is literally going to know your heart, who is who yeah. is flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. So it's nice being able to like when Jen and I have even when even when we're having a great, you know, tender, affectionate moment, you know, it's like because I I understand her better. I see how she works, tinks and thinks because we can pray together and talk about things together. It's just Mm -hmm. way like the the peaks and the valleys are higher and lower when you have someone else in your life, obviously. But it's so much worth it. Like I thought that I was happy being engaged to her and 
I didn't even know marital bliss existed. I heard that word before, that phrase before. But honestly, like it's it is legitimate ecstasy. Yeah, uh, I got this little glow about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being married is is one of the greatest things that you can ever you can ever do. It's mm-hmm. just so it's wonderful. I don't know how to explain it. It's just so to have somebody that understands you. Yeah. And that is helping you to perfect yourself to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, that's one in a million, man. No. Yeah. And those terms become I'm glad action. that you found that. I'm glad you found that, you know, and I was there in the beginning. I, I, I remember the first time I met Rudy and Ashley, I remember that you two were not together. Nope. And we're at that young adult group. Ah, <laughs> uh, is that crazy? So you've been one of those people who've seen like our relationship in real time as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny, like who to think, who to thunk five years ago that we'd be we'd be doing yeah. this now? Five years ago. <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was dating. I was dating to uh, to marry. Mm-hmm. I think that's important too to have that mindset. Well, that so- that really uh, sorts it all. It sorts people out. You know. Like, is this person just a temporary thing or mm-hmm. am I actually looking to marry this person? Well, you know, people, there's, there's plenty of talk and conversation online. Like what's the difference between dating and courtship, right? And there's some people that get extremely technical on it. Um, yeah. Father Vipperger has a great talk on, on courtship and it's wonderful. Um, but uh, we certainly did not adhere to all of it, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, um, but but I think that one of the biggest differences is just intentionality. If you mm-hmm. set yourself about, look, I'm going to find a good Catholic girl that's going to help me get to heaven and I to her to heaven and I'm going to find and I'm going to marry her. Like I'm not just dating because I want a piece of arm candy or to hook up or to some other nefarious reason, but I'm dating for marriage, um, you know, and I'm going to be respectful and virtuous inside inside that that relationship. Yeah, that's that's courtship. So. Um, you know, that's you true. Yeah. And, and so the I rest think, are just details. The rest are just details. But yeah. Yeah. I, I will say though, now that we're having a daughter, because I used to, I mean, I listened to the, the father Ripperger talk and I was like, Whoa, that's seems a Kinda little bit, extreme. but, um, having a daughter, I'm thinking like, you know, she's not discerning a religious vocation, mm-hmm. you know, God, God will call her to something. I know. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's married life. And if that's true, coming from like, a, uh, I mean, my past is really sort of secular. So having a secular experience and understanding what that was yeah. like makes me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe Maria will get that sort of courting that uh, Father Ripperger talks about. Well, <laughs> Where it's an... a little bit more strict than Well, than you know, normal. they always say this, right? Like you, especially, especially because of, how I watch like Jen's father and her and their relationship kind of work together now, which mm-hmm. helps has helped me tremendously to see that side. Um, it's so important. I think that daughters and fathers have a particular sort of bond, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, as much as I, I know that girls are wonderful until they're not <laughs> like, you know, but uh, if I have daughters, it's going to be like, I've, I have friends, like I have a friend at work who has four daughters, you know? And he talks about the importance of like, make like, he's like, look, have a date night with them. Like you take, and it's like, you go out with ice cream, but just one of them. Right. Because they're learning the qualities of manhood 
and what to look for from their father. And so if exactly, yeah. And so if she has a great relationship with her dad. Like she's going to look for a guy who exudes those sorts of qualities. Like why wouldn't she? Yeah, I forget who says it, but um, I can't remember who said it. But maybe somebody knows in the comments. Um, well, your daughter. <clears throat> well, you you as the father are the first man that your daughter meets. Mm-hmm. And so you have to exude all of the, the qualities of a proper gentleman. Yeah. Because your your daughter is going to compare everybody else to you. So you have to be like tip top, top, top shape of, you know, top of your game. Mm-hmm. And that's a great idea. I like, I like the idea of, of taking your daughter out on a, on a date yeah. so that she kind of knows what, what to expect of a man. That's absolutely true. I, I really think that as Catholics, especially there is such a beauty to authentic intimacy, to knowing your spouse inside and outside of the sexual embrace, just being there with your, with your best friend and your partner in crime. And I feel like one of the great uh, needs in the world today is that Catholics need to really pick themselves up and be able to talk about intimacy and take that conversation away from the secular culture, mm-hmm. you know, because the secular culture will tell you like, 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 look at how many movies and shows out there, right? Where it's like a couple is cohabitating, living in sin, probably contracepting. And they don't deal with married couples at all because that's old and that's fuddy-duddy and that's like not this or this, um, with some great notable exceptions. And I think that it's time really as Catholics that we go like, look, you can have like, you can have a great life of intimacy with your spouse. And the, you know, the culture looks at the quote unquote rules that the church places upon it. And I'm like, they're, it's like a sports game. Like they're, they're liberating. They're not. Like there are certain actions and things now that like mean that I'm protecting myself and my spouse against objectification, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I, there are children will always be at the forefront. And the moment that we slip up from these things, we divorce. At first, we divorced children from love, right? When when the Protestants all agreed that contraception was okay in the context of marriage. Then they said a fruitful, faithful marriage actually means you don't have to produce children if you're if you're able to and you just choose not to. And now we've divorced. I think we've divorced love from sex, right? And that's the rise of pornography and sex trafficking and objectification and stuff, where it just becomes parts and just becomes a feeling and just becomes all this kind of stuff. And God bless the Catholic Church, dude, because honestly, it has kept those things to a T: love, children, sex like all put together still like they're not they're not these little segments and you have to be divided like it's i i think that the church is the last true guardian of of heroic romance because of that to be honest yeah it reminds me of um classic conservatism Mm. conservatism you know the church preserves all of these beautiful wonderful things and it retains within them their proper context yeah because without that context it just gets distorted and um flipped on its head Mm -hmm. you know i hate watching these movies where 
you know, the, the young couple is just cohabitating. They never get married, Mm -hmm. never have children. It's just about this like ridiculous fairy tale of, of what a life is supposed to be like with another person. And it's not, it's just so devoid of any meaning. Like what meaning is there? You're just travel. You're just like friends, you know, like friends who share in this. Yeah. Yeah, Friends who sleep together. And, um, and then it's sterile. Mm -hmm. And this, well, this is the thing that we're, we're combating because there are, there's so many people who are like, you got this call. I'll hear it on. Sometimes it's like a Dave Ramsey call or something. Hey, um, you know, I live with my, well, he's not my now fiance, but we've been together for seven years or something like that. And I want to combine stuff, but like, he doesn't want to like marry. Like we don't have a date set or something like that. Right. And it's like, well, first off, why would you buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? Um, <laughs> right. But I think that there's it's a really depressing, question. man. It's depressing, but it speaks to the self-worth and dignity of a human person, especially women. And that's why it's ironic mm-hmm. that feminism in the 60s, like you'll see it now, right? Because feminism said to women, you don't need the confines of marriage. They're shackles, right? You don't need the confines of sexuality. They're patriarchal trappings. You can have free love and sex and all these other kind of things. And you can be as, and so they adopted not just mannish traits, they adopted the literal worst of men. You mm-hmm. know, it's like a man that goes around, sleeps with a bunch of women, drinks whores and fights about and stuff like that. That's not a man. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a boy trapped inside a man's body because a real man has responsibilities and duty and he adheres to especially like divine traditions that have been passed down to him. Cause mm-hmm. it's, Cause it's freaking hard being married too, right? Like you are, you are saying, Oh yeah, this woman is for me exclusionary and vice versa, but there's no one else, no matter how old I get, no matter how for rich or for poor, for better or for worse, you know? And that's a, that's That's really liberating too, though, Mm. because you know, you're, 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 you're all in the same, you, both of you are on the same (laughs) boat. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And you're going to have to make that boat work, man. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how the sails work right. and how the rudder works. It's amazing. I mean, it's liberating. You know, you, you, um, you sort of clear your mind to make that work. Yeah. This is why I think like, it's so important for us to emphasize like that sacramental richness of marriage because graces exist and they pour forth and it's actually really incredible. They pour forth mm-hmm. from betrothal and yeah, they, they exploded at marriage. But I think that yeah. people have to be careful because it was in the Protestant Revolution that we t- that Luther reduced marriage to a contract just for the purpose of warding off concupiscence, really. And um, we've taken that and run with it, which is why, like, now people are like, well, why is the church opposed to gay marriage? Like, it's just two people. Like, what two consenting adults do in the privacy of their bedroom is their own business. Like, that whole kind of line. And it's like literally what it happens to it is the building block of civilization. Like this is the first blessing that God gave, right? Adam looks at Eve and doesn't go, aha, look, a business partner. <laughs> it's also the first command. Mm-hmm. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that the church's stance on that is really... Um, it's harsh. It's like overly harsh, but it really isn't. It's, it's a, a preservation of the real meaning of marriage. Mm-hmm. 
and the world desperately wants to mold their concepts of what the church should be uh and, and they want the church to change on these eternal truths if we really believe that there is objective truth well there's objective truth when it comes to marriage not only on a you know in a a sort of um in a divine sense but in the natural law as well mm-hmm. and that's why the church has that stance but people don't like it right well it's no. it's because you know we've we've misused freedom because the the misuse of freedom is not more freedom it's abuse so you're free mm-hmm. to get married in the you're free to get married in the way that god the author of marriage has deigned or you abuse the sacrament of marriage and it ceases to become a sacrament. It ceases to become a marriage in some cases. Um, it ceases to be even adhering any part to the natural law. So now, like in today's culture, it's like, well, again, why would you care if if it's men? If you allow a man and a woman to get married, but what if they don't want to have children? Some people are like, oh, that's valid. That's fine, right? Well, if you if you move that goalpost, then fine. What's to stop? two people of the same sex to get married let's stop multiple people from getting married now there's best friend marriages or self marriages have you seen those oh, i haven't i have heard of people marrying like cartoons and stuff like yeah, that. yeah an- really anime weird. characters what you're looking for rudy yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. i like to say cartoons because i know they get mad yeah <laughs> i think cory in the house <laughs> is the best anime i just want to put that out there right now the what cory in the house Corey in the house not an actual anime <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say this so you've been married for a year you have a baby on the way what is like if you were to sit down with whether it's me who's been married for two weeks or someone who is asking in this year of marriage what have you learned what has been like the one piece like the the, the whole piece of advice or something like that you would give <laughs> i know right um <laughs> There's this funny book that uh, one of our our good family friends was showing us. It's a uh, a book that is uh, supposed to be like a guide, a sort of um, collection of questions that you would ask your son. And the title is called Listen, Son. (laughs) Listen, boy. So if I was to have you sit down in front of me, I would say, listen, son. The one thing (laughs) that I've learned (laughs) that is the most important thing this year is is that sense of duty and responsibility that there is um that there is an objective way to measure our marriage against mm. and that that is what we're trying to achieve you know there's no like um what i mean by that is that there isn't this great variation of what like a marriage can be mm-hmm. so i'm trying to nail it in and say that there is there is an objective <laughs> how do i explain this there's an objective standard for which we should base our marriage off of mm-hmm. and that is the holy family okay we have this wonderful and beautiful family that we can imitate in our home life and and that is really the most perfect family that ever existed Mm. and that's what we strive for to raise our child the way that saint joseph 
raised Jesus mm. and the blessed mother raised Jesus. What, what sort of things had to happen in the household uh, for that to happen? Uh, you look into the scriptures and you see how they were so surrendered to the will of God to leave everything behind, to run away, to, to go at the, at the call of God into Egypt, into a place that was so inhospitable, you know, mm -hmm. and we have examples of that in our, our day-to-day -day life. There are certain areas where God calls us to, and, and we have to follow this. It's a surrender because we know at the end of the day that to do God's will is the most important thing. Yeah. And with the baby on the way, it really, it really puts everything into perspective. Uh, when I say that uh, this child I consider to be entrusted to us, I mean it. I mean it that way. This is a soul that God has given Ashley and I to raise. And that's a lot of responsibility. For some people, you know, you might shy away and say, wow, that's really scary. I don't want that. But it, it's not like that. It's, it's a sense of duty and responsibility that you get. But um, you know that God is giving you the graces to, to do this. And as long as you desire to, to want to raise this kid to be a saint, God's going to, how can, you know, you see in the scriptures, uh, if you ask for bread, God's not going to give you a rock. <laughs> right. So our prayer, our fervent prayer is that God gives us the graces to make her a saint, mm -hmm. to make our marriage holy, pleasing, and fruitful so yeah. that she has that example. I think that's the most important thing. And I'm just really, uh, becoming aware of that every day as we get closer to the, to the, uh, to the birth, man, I'm getting kind of like, whew. it's like, whew. it's really hitting close can, to home. I but can feel yeah, it pouring I, for me. I, yeah. I want that for you, man. And I want that for, you know, for Anthony and all of our friends who yeah. are considering marriage. This is a wonderful thing. It, uh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm I'm praying for you guys so fervently, you know, and also taking notes because I really do think a year from now, like, I'll be like, Rudy, what do you think about this? Help! Oh man, we got so many tips, you know. Uh -huh. um, you know, and the cool thing is everybody, everybody we know always gives us the tips. You know, they're like, whether you want them or not, right? Solicited or unsolicited, the tips. yeah. <laughs> which is good you know because you, you you can filter out and think like oh maybe that would work i was oh, thinking about charles won't. charles yeah. Colum. remember he was talking about how you know maybe uh the king would uh, impose a decree on a, a faraway land and then the the person in charge over there would say i i obey but i don't implement yeah it's that sort of thing <laughs> you know people give you uh tips and tricks and uh you know you filter it out and you imagine how it might be in your own personal life mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you, you put it in the back, back, uh, you put it in your back pocket for when the time is right. I, I pray to St. Joseph a lot and I, I did my consecration to him and I've, I, he's helped me tremendously. The whole Holy family has, but what's funny to think about is that St. Joseph had literally the most perfect wife. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, and lucky and, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You lucky, like I'm a lucky guy. Like never was nagged by Mary. Got him. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> but one thing about being a spouse is that you have to be, especially as a man, right? To to love our wives as Christ loves the church, means mm -hmm. that we have to be willing to die for her, and mm -hmm. that might not mean the physical death. But what I'm figuring out as a husband, and what I really want to take forward, and what my struggle is, and what my my thing I really gauge myself on is, it's like. 
for all the little things like trying to die to Jen, you know, which, oh, yeah. and, and it's hard. That's a good it's, point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. And it's like, because it might just manifest as like, Hey, I want to watch this movie tonight or, Hey, what if we eat this today? Or like, Hey, I would appreciate it if you didn't do this or something like that. Right. And <laughs> what's funny is I think that as men, again, like especially traditional men, we, we have to resist both the, we have to realize we have to read all of Corinthians in its context. You can't just say, well, see, look, you have to submit to me bar none, right? Submit to me, suck an egg, like what that means, right? Because it's, it's, but it's like you're called to love your wife. And if you're doing a great job, if you're authentically loving your wife, like, yeah, you'll die for her. You will wash her, you'll sanctify her. You'll do all you can. You'll be her knight errant. And if she loves you, then it's not like, oh my gosh, I got to submit to my husband. Like, oh gosh, it's like, okay, like he's the head of the household. Christ is leading him. There are certain things on his shoulder. You know what? Like, I'm going to make his life easier. <laughs> um, our priest explained it like this, that my entire goal in life is if Jen and I were moving a couch through a doorway, um, I would be trying to make the entrance as wide as possible. And Jen's trying to make the couch as small as possible. And, in, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've always kind of kept that with us because we had to move a lot of furniture inside this place recently. So. <laughs> How many stairs are you? Uh, no, are you up? God is are good. We have floor? gone from the third floor, Rudy, to the first floor. Oh man, that's amazing. Well, I hope your neighbors aren't too loud upstairs, though. No, no, the neighbors are wonderful. I mean, it's weird hearing footsteps, but they're not loud, really. You know, they're not very loud. That's people. Good. This is a nice part of the world. Um, I can't wait. God willing, one day when <laughs> when everyone gets kicked out of their houses and foreclosed on, we can we can buy a house. But we are here for the time being, so. <laughs> You know what? I, I, we should try and have a, somebody on who really understands and knows integralism. You know what? Yeah. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Yeah. Give, if Some people our call audience, it Catholic socialism, but uh, I don't know if that's the right thing. It's essentially like a, a reorganizing of the society of, um, you know, things like governance and... Uh, I think I have a very basic idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's different kinds of integralism. Right. I think ca- like the Catholic perspective would be yeah. the ideal. Yeah. Where society is, is, is built in such a way that there are opportunities for people to have a big family or, you know, buy some land, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Well, there, uh, what there ought to be is this. It's, it's the idea that the state, the marrying of the, um, of the crozier and the scepter it's in varying degrees essentially that the state owes its allegiance to the natural law and to god and to god's church and therefore Mm -hmm. it's a state built upon the promulgation of the faith in and outside of its borders so a catholic integralist might so as a result like this is where there might be some might argue the socialisty elements for for this particular kind of integralism. I'm right. not an expert by any stretch of imaginations, but they say like, okay, well, things ought to be also held like for the common good, and so mm-hmm. the common good ought to be based upon like a natural law understanding of the common good, but the common good nonetheless. Therefore, um, you might have to knock a robber baron down a peg. The state might have that authority. This, you know, the, just as the church has the has the authority to 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 tithe its people. Yeah. Um, I don't quite know where I fall on that spectrum. I know what I don't like. I, I tend to think I tend to like the decentralized medieval state quite a bit. 
uh, I I'm skeptical of marrying the the scepter and the crozier fully only because I don't trust the state nearly as much as I do uh, some parts of the church, most parts of the church. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But I, but, but take a look at Hungary. Like there's, there are uh, countries that incentivize Russia is doing this too. They incentivize mm -hmm. and they reward people who are having large families. Um, I think, yeah. I think even South Korea of all places is like doing that. Cause the birth rate is so disastrous in that part of the world. Um, and so that's a good like, thing. Yeah. That's a great thing because it, it guarantees like there's a pragmatic element. It guarantees workers for your for your country, but also it's right. like if if you contact if you as the state safeguard marriage, not trying to create your own watered down version, but you go marriage is for children, and we ought to incentivize families to create good and productive children, and so the best way to do that is like let's just tax break people who have three or more kids, like. Hungary does that. that. It's like it's like four more kids, and there's like some sort of like really nice tax break or something. If if any of our listeners are Hungarian or know that, comment down below on that. I don't want to get that wrong, uh, but I know Orban's done some pretty cool stuff. Um, yep. You know, and but the history of the world has been big families and a little bit of land and being happy with what you have and just doing your thing. Um, I think I feel like a lot of that spirit still exists in like the Latin parishes where there's a lot of because you know it's like there's people from all over the empire go to Latin mass, but it's kind of nice, like really getting feelers from like people who are more working class, right. Who still like have said yes to God and have children and are just kind of trying to make it work in a place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting conversation to have to, to clear good, up. Do you think Charles Colum is an integralist? I don't know. He's a monarchist. Maybe we should talk to him. We just talked to him. I'll, him. I'll shoot him. We'll shoot him a message. We're like, hey, I'd love to have, have Charles on again. Charles right. is like having. It's like the grandpa I never had. <laughs> you know, well, it's funny, right? It's funny because guy. I think that I think that it's a funny with Charles and the kind of generation of Catholics. There's this melding of the old and the new. The kind of old ways of thinking of the new technology. So <laughs> yeah, for us, like talking about the changes in the council or monarchism or um. Yeah, monarchism or something like that. Um, that's interesting because that must have been so fringe 30 years ago. It's still pretty fringe, but it's at least like I was reading on my on that Protestant blog that I read, Juicy Ecumenism. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this is good. They were talking about like Catholic integralism and how it's oh. a small fringe idea. Now, of course, they're Protestants, right? So they, a lot of them hold very strong to like the American liberal democracy. But they admit that the American liberal democracy is dying and that Catholic integralism is going to start looking more and more appealing to people who are kind of trying to find like an intellectual solution to our disaster. That was interesting. Yeah. Even though I don't, again, I don't know like a lot about integralism or anything. I'm, I'll have to go research it after the podcast. Um, I think, um, I think it, that would happen solely by the grace of God. I mean, nothing else can make that work at this point well i don't even know if integralism is like the right the solution to go. i don't really i don't quite know i know that the solution is something well it's probably just like this is it's interesting as a catholic i realize now why uh america has always been suspicious of catholics which is why we had to have like we had to invent our own heresy to play nice because a catholic owes his allegiance like to god and to his church and so that makes that that puts a monkey in the wrench for some really big Americanisms, you know. 
Oh yeah. I, I was at a ball game not too long ago. Um, go go Rockies. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm watching like you know like this this nice little like high school um, church band is playing the national anthem. You know, you get up there and you take off your hat and you put your hand on your heart. And I, I you know, I'm a very much believer. I think that it's important to have pride in your country. And I think it's important to also like, I think it's important that nations have their national mythos as well. You know, I think, I think that's a good, it can be a good thing, but it's funny, like thinking about again, like the, the, the Protestant critique of Catholics worship statues and stuff like that. And yet, like, we all have very particular movement that we should do to the flag. And if you don't, like, you're a heretic. You know, you know, yeah, you know. we talked about that in that episode of Catholic Monarchy with, with Charles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think you were talking about your friend who said that you should never disrespect the flag. Yeah. And I agree. I don't think you should disrespect your nation's flag. But... We've sort of created these um, aspects of our governance and turned them into a sort of an idol. Yeah. Well, you know, an, an aspect of worship. Mm-hmm. What we do is like, but take even this, right? And this is going to prove just how much of a trad papist I suddenly became. Because I remember having a debate with, um, I went on a, um, a podcast with like different black conservatives. And that was really, really fun to do. But um, at the end, we were just kind of talking. And one of the guys was like, you know, I think that it should be a, a criminal offense to to burn the flag. I think you should go to jail or something. And I went, well, maybe, but we live in a country where you can burn a Bible and that's okay. So, but to but we would pass a law first that says you can't burn a flag. And you know that I think we're already there, though. I mean, I, I well, we are already there. Day of, of somebody going to prison for fifteen years for burning a pride flag. Uh huh. Right. Right. Well, then that's a question about flags, right? It's like, what does that flag represent? What does it mean exactly? Like, right. I love, I love being an American. I would, I would, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I wouldn't want to, you know, I speak American. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else in that kind of regard. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some very, very deep things, issues in this country that mm-hmm. need talking about. And I think being a traditional Catholic, especially, like the fact that you and I. Our monarchists, like we talk about this pretty casually, is is a is very anti-American to some people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I love our nation's history, but it's weird to me being like, you know what? I don't think the revolution was justified. I don't get it, especially considering like what happened to all of Britain's other colonies. Like they they fought for us in blood to keep us in the French and Indian War, guys. Like I just mm-hmm. think this isn't quite what we thought it to be. That's not American heresy. <laughs> I think we ought to do an episode Say that out loud. Kind of, some people get upset. Well, some people get upset because they think like, well, that means like you, or like, look like the troops, right? This is something very funny, like us and like Republicans, but it's like, like, I didn't know, notice I didn't say conservatives um, in this particular instance, because like, I believe that like the world should not be made safe for democracy. Like Woodrow Wilson's um, uh, plan, like the League of Nations plan for the world, I think has been disastrous. I don't think it's very American either. It seems like America would be much more Monroe doctrine, which is let the world kind of handle its thing. I don't think we do empire very well. We know how to build one. We don't know how to maintain one. And so it's weird yeah. to me, like, they'll go, well, we, we have to... And then we'll leave. 
Yeah, so they go, well, we have to go to Afghanistan and Iraq and Operation Enduring Freedom and liberating Libya from Gaddafi. And it's like, oh, because we got to spread like liberal democracy. And if these people only had education, roads and voting, they'd be happy. And I'm like, so we're going to we're going to bleed our people dry for some Afghani who's just going to go to his tribal elder and conduct himself as he's been doing for thousands of years. <laughs> hmm. How's that one working out? <laughs> Jordy, as we wind down, I want to resurrect a thing that we haven't done in a while. It's uh, Mad Trads. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm, I'm Yo, mad about something you, and I have to. Are you piping hot, bro? Are you piping hot? Dude, and it's not just because it's tremendously hot in California. Yes. Rudy, what are you mad about? <laughs> Let's hear it. That's true. We should do more Mad Trads. It's been so, I've been, I'm oh, in my marriage bliss. That's my problem. I've been so freaking happy this past couple of weeks. I'll tell you a little story, right? I show up to mass and I start hearing this talk about this little thing called Together in Mission. And um, look, I am not representing the parish. So if you know where I go to mass, don't try and blow up our spot. I am I am not representing the parish at all. Right. I have no status there. But I'll tell you that we're in a tent We've been in a tent for a good part of the year. Mm-hmm. We're bursting at the seams. We got people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And every year we get this ridiculous notice, this ridiculous um, goal for us to raise money for the archdiocese so that we could float these so-called poor parishes. And this year I, I, I got so pissed that they had the nerve to even ask after closing down the churches that they would ask us to raise money to float these parishes. It's like, it's like asking us to, to fund a sinking ship. And I I don't mean to make that that analogy in a sense that the church is dying. I mean, to say that there is a ship out there, which is the archdiocese of Los Angeles that is taking on massive amounts of water and we don't do anything soon it's going to sink and basically what they're doing is they're saying we need to buy these buckets with holes cut out on the bottom so that we can get this water out Mm -hmm. they're asking us to float these parishes where they're teaching things contrary to the faith to the effect that 70 percent of american catholics don't believe in the real presence Mm mm-hmm and they do this a year, not even a year. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been a year. A year after they seriously like shut down all of the churches and told us that the faith was essentially not important. That's right. Non-essential. It's non-essential. It's insanity, man. Now, the flip side is, obviously, we have to do our very best to support the church financially. Um. I think that if you're at a parish where they're asking you to raise that money, you should not because you're just funding these parishes, these priests who didn't take it seriously. And, um, and you should find a priest that you think is doing things seriously, who has care and love for souls. And you should support that priest, but don't support together in a mission. It's ridiculous. Very well said. We 
it's crazy going back to our episodes during quarantine. And we've talked about this. We've we've sounded this this one off for a while. The fact that at the end of the day, the church didn't fight. Entire diocese did not fight. In fact, if you wanted to fight, they branded you as uncharitable, as hostile, as wanting to kill grandmas, all the, the meanest, nasty things, which turns out, by the way, were all lies. Everything these people said was a lie. The masks working, that was a lie. Social distancing, that was a lie. Remaining on surfaces for 30 days or more, that was a lie. Not coming from a place in Wuhan, well, there goes, there goes the YouTube video. <laughs> uh, that was a lie. And but and the church it wasn't it wasn't a question of the church is guided by faith and by reason. There was no question of reason. The, it was the worst kind of faith. It was it was blind paganism. The sun will rise if we sacrifice enough people. And if you dare question that, you're heterodox and you're a rad trad and you're terrible and bigoted. And you are an anti-science, anti-vaxxer. I mean, all the names these people levied. Dragging, you know, having calling the cops on pregnant ladies in church, for heaven's sake. So the the diocese never fought for it. And Rudy, you and I, we, I mean, ooh, Matt Chads is back, I see, because I'm getting heated too, piping. Because you and I did a diocesan live stream. Do you remember that? Where we where people wanted to ask questions. When are churches going to reopen? What does it look like? Whatever, whatever, whatever. And it was such a nothing burger such a softball slew of things and so people went without the sacraments for months even if a priest built socially distanced confessions like our priest did the diocese pulled the plug you couldn't go to mass they holy water i'm sure that there are places where holy water is not in the font still right now and from the pulpit you were told by priests actually we need to shut up non-essential this is the dispensation this is totally cool the first time in church history of, the, of to this effect where a dispensation has been in place for the sake of fear right for the sake of a of a of a potentiality that turned out not to be true and so for the churches that were open your uh the one in los angeles the one certainly here in denver and denver's had a way nicer time of it than than la we'll tell you that much um the fact of the matter is that you know how many times both of our priests have been reported to the health department over here it's like seven times it it was it was it became a, a freaking meme um and now there are churches in this country where the priest will tell you you can go to confession like this if you are vaccinated you can do this and this if you're vaccinated if you're not here's the thing we're going to keep the mask we're going to keep this and this um i went to um you know my my at my cousin's confirmation the speed in which an army of women descended with hand sanitizer shortly after the kiss of peace which uh as you can imagine i kind of didn't partake in uh was ridiculous you would have thought it was actually part of the mass so no i think that you're absolutely right I, we we listened to our priest a couple years ago when he gave a very very good homily on together in mission because we already were grumbling about it concerning the archdiocese of los angeles i think that that it is demonstrable that there are bishops and priests, but especially bishops who care so little for their flock that they will not do anything in their power to give them the sacraments, to give them the ordinary means of grace and salvation. But when it comes to Charles Cologne talks about this, right? When it comes to your pocketbook, 
Oh, oh suddenly they love they'll defend. To ask yeah, they'll remind you of your Christian duty, right? Your importance, the tithing. Yeah, and all they'll, kind of they'll try and butter you up with, well, this is a moment to be charitable. Uh-huh. No way, man. Well, I mean, it your is excellency, a moment. Here's a suggestion. <laughs> if you're so strapped on money and uh, there, there, I believe that there are churches that are struggling to keep the light on. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been to those parishes oh, before. For sure. I've yeah. seen them with my own eyes. I believe it. But if you're really that worried about money, maybe you should consider, uh, I don't know, here's a crazy idea. Maybe don't do the Religious Education Congress every year. Save some money on that and uh, reinvest that into the parishes. Right. How about um, maybe take a, sex abuse seriously and well, don't get into crazy uh, situations where you have to pay out millions and millions of dollars well that's millions and millions of our money isn't that fun yeah isn't yeah. that fun or oh you're not so, oh we're not you're not supposed to say that it's good catholic by the way we're supposed no. to just oh you know and look so his thing i think it is a time for chair i think it is a, a good lesson for charity um i think that lesson in charity is to find because catholics as catholics got to tell your audience right now this is not a good excuse not to tithe you still have to tithe to your church. Now, if you can't financially, there are other means too. I have a video on tithing that breaks it all down. But if you can Good financially video. and you can, you need to give your 10% to the church. Rudy suggested it perfectly. You find a parish, you find a priest, you find a religious organization, you find somebody in the church who is doing good, objectively good things for the sake of the kingdom, and you give your money there. You are not obligated as a Catholic that you have, you know, you have to support your local parish, wherever that parish is. Yes, that makes sense. Um, you should support your diocese with some giant asterisks, obviously. Um, and the fact of the matter is this whole year has just proven that the church has been so weak-limped. And I'm the audacity of coming to Catholic faithful after going along with the lies, the draconian lies of the state and saying, oh, well, listen, I'm sorry that little Billy can't get baptized or confirmed, or I'm sorry that you haven't been to reconciliation in a year, uh, but if you can, go ahead and uh, you know drop us your money because we need to help these parishes. I know that there are decent parishes out there that are were already struggling, and this will kill them. Coronavirus has, has, has aged the church by a decade, two decades. And if you don't believe me, this next couple of years, people, like the closures have already started coming. We've highlighted it a little bit, just tentatively. It, it is happening, especially in the East. It's happening in real time. Um, it's going to be tragic. And they're going to come to you again and say, well, this should never have happened if only you had given more. And you got to be like, look, I'm sorry, Father, but turns out my, uh, my Latin Mass Parish over here is thriving. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's really funny. It, it really is funny, you know. They, they, they tolerate us traditionalists, yeah. but when it comes time to asking for money, they have no shame in coming up to us. Oh, they love us. Treating us they like love brothers. us then. Right. So, They'll give us a back alley swamp, but, but we'll, but we'll support our church because our church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so then they'll come. Um, I will say this. I will say I do. I do feel for all my brothers and sisters still in Los Angeles. I, I really, I've had the opportunity to meet, uh, archbishop out here i mm -hmm. think that what i i'm still you know i wish that he did not do what he did during the lockdown quote unquote but i'm surprised about a couple of things i'm of the opinion that if a priest looked at him and said look we're keeping open we're doing this as as carmel did i think he would have granted it 
it's 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 a different ball game here in Colorado. The center of the country, generally speaking, is just a whole different thing from the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel your guys is paying a lot more because it sucks when I feel like Archbishop has our back more out here than Gomez does out there. Seemingly, yeah. You know, seemingly, but you know, not not a, like a not like a character knock against Archbishop Gomez or something like that. But it's just it's evident. You can kind of tell when yeah. you know you can just you can just kind of tell when you're just an afterthought. And I get Los <laughs> Angeles is a huge thing, but the amount of suppression of the traditional on mass that happened in LA compared to other parts of the world, stupid. Yep, deliberately stupid. Um, yep. Man, yeah, that was a good one, Rudy. I'm piping hot. <laughs> <laughs> well now now we gotta pray about it we that's right now we got that it. situation that's right that's right that's the other side of the coin mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Yeah. well jordy it's great to catch up with you again and yeah glad you're doing really well and really happy for you know ash and i are really happy for for you and Jan and well thank you i mean we're overjoyed for you guys you guys are constantly thank in you. our prayers so you know you know it's not too late mm-hmm. to name your firstborn genevieve jordan carlos but whatever you know what? Imagine you come out here and it's the weekend that Maria decides she wants to be born. Hey. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. That would be really stressful. That would be cool. Born on the 4th of July. You said it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, we'll thank see. you to all of our listeners, everyone who is on YouTube, everyone who is across our multiple different streaming platforms. If you liked what you heard, and let's be honest, we know you did, <laughs> go ahead and like, comment. We would love to hear from you. So please comment. Subscribing is the second most important thing you can do for us because the first most, of course, is to keep Rudy and I and our wives. Ooh, I can say that parallel. Wives. <laughs> our wives in your prayers. Uh, if you would like to further support us, we have a Patreon link now. This uh, has a few kind of really cool perks that includes access, early access to episodes, a Patreon's only episode, and even the ability to suggest what episodes we ought to do. So go ahead and check that uh, down below. I'm sure that there might be something that you would like. Um, thank you, everybody, so much. God bless you, and Mary keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Yes.